Hey everybody, this is Chris. Um, get ready for Treks and Sci-Fi. I just wanted to give a quick disclaimer before the beginning of the show. Um, if you were expecting to hear Alien Nation with me and Kenny, um, we had to postpone it with uh, some scheduling problems that we were having. As happens, we're on opposite sides of the country. It's hard to get together. So I'm going to cover Robotech um, with my friend Chuck. Another disclaimer, sorry about my voice. If it messes up at all, I've been battling a cold. Anyway... On to Treks and Sci-Fi. Hey everybody, welcome to Treks and Sci-Fi number 432. I am Chris Clemente. Uh, today we're going to be covering Robotech, the old 80s show. And with me, um, somebody that we haven't had before because he's a friend of mine. A guy that I've known for about, I guess, 20 years? Chuck? Um, 18? Something like 18, that? 18, because you yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, that was back in the 90s when uh, I was managing a... Uh, a video store in the uh, in the mall it was called Saturday Matinee. I'm not even are are they still in existence? I don't. Um, I don't think so. Yeah, um, I think I, you might find a tape world. <laughs> I know Fye is that's like it's the company that has Fye, mm-hmm. um, and I don't think Saturday Matinees exist anymore. But that was a pretty fun time back. It then. was. It was a great time. Yeah. Anyway, this is my friend uh, Charles Bingham. I call him Chuck. I don't know what he prefers, but. That's what Chuck, I call Chuck him. is good. Yeah, Chuck's it. Yeah, and I've so and like I said, I've known him for a long time. Back then, the movie Clerks pretty much described what we did most days. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you know, we just kind of sat around and talked about Star Wars, Star Trek, whatever. It was it was pretty fun. I couldn't. I mean, I was working ridiculous amount of hours uh, as a manager uh, in retail back then. They really. Uh, Got it out of you. I think I was working about sixty plus hours a week for yeah. no money. But it was a lot. it was it wasn't a bad job. It was fun uh, just to work with with the people that I worked with, um, and that's sort of it. Kind of it's funny because when I was uh, I t- I thought of you because you and Matt, our 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 mutual friend Matt, uh, when it comes to anime and things like that, you you two guys were two of the guys I knew that were really into it. Yeah, I was huge into anime back then. Um, yeah. It's you know not so much today, but I think the quality of what's what's been coming over here is not quite what it used to be. Oh yeah, I know. It's it's I've. Uh, what's the last uh, series that I might have had? I think Inuyasha might be the last one that I mm-hmm. I sort of watched, but I didn't watch the um, American version. My wife uh, was really loved that show, and she watched the uh, Japanese version. Um, that was probably the last one I watched, but that wasn't really what was. You know, when we were kids, it was more sci-fi, I think. Yeah, than definitely. Fan- fantasy seems to be taking over everything lately. Yep. Um, but before we get into the meat of Robotech, um, let's see. This week, uh, in some geeky stuff, um, the Elysium trailer came out, which uh, is a movie by Neil Blomkamp. He did District 9, which is probably one of my favorite sci-fi movies ever. Yeah, same here. I need to get to Elysium. Whoever has this has the power to override their whole system. Hey, bring down the boom saw! This ain't gonna kill me. You can save everyone. We're gonna break into the most heavily guarded place in the universe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love that movie. I saw it in the movie theater, and uh, I always thought, well, this is this is... 
somebody who made this movie has sort of the same influences that I had. You know, finally, uh, directors not only being influenced by movies, but by anime and by video games and things like that. You know, it's like, yeah, it was really awesome. And I'm looking forward to this. Anyway, it's got Matt Damon and Joe, uh, jo- what's her name? Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster. <laughs> the uh, and uh, looks like it's going to be really uh, an interesting sort of movie. With uh, it looks like a moral. I can see there's a moral to that story. There is, and uh, I've I don't know about you, but I've already got some uh, friends on Facebook and uh, you know through email, chain letters and all that kind of already starting to complain about some of the underlying themes in that movie. Yeah, I guess uh, you know some people were saying it's sort of influenced by the. Um, What's it called? The Occupy movement or something? But yes, yeah, so it's people are already kind of claiming it as a left-wing fairy tale. I guess. Yeah, I guess a lot of people probably have said that about Star Trek. Uh, so <laughs> Star Trek is a socialist paradise. Exactly, it is really. But they have money when it is convenient for the story. So yeah, they can always uh, manage to get their hands on some gold press latinum. Yeah. Um, well, just because humans don't have any doesn't mean that Ferengis don't or <laughs> Romulans or Klingons. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, the, the movie Oblivion's coming out this weekend. Uh, that movie looks pretty cool. Uh, I still, every time I, I've seen a trailer for it, I still can't believe that Tom Cruise is 50. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's one of these people, one of these actors. He's like Patrick Stewart. It's like, you know, once you reach max level, you stop leveling. <laughs> and, uh, I think he's going to be another one of these guys that just, I don't know if he's getting plastic surgery or what, but he looks just like he did in Minority Report. Well, what's his level? He's got some kind of a super level. Uh, uh, I don't his thetan level? Thetan. Like yeah. Maybe yeah. that keeps you young. I don't know. I guess so. That movie looks pretty cool, and, and it's got Morgan Freeman in it with uh, with hippie hippie glasses on. So mm-hmm. that looks pretty interesting. The effects look neat. Um, there's a lot of, boy, post-apocalyptic stuff nowadays. <laughs> Yes, there is, and I'm all for it. I love post-apocalyptic movies and and TV shows, and that's that's one of the reasons why I'm such a huge Walking Dead fan. Oh yeah, and Walking Dead finished. Uh, I guess it was uh, almost two weeks ago. It was about a week and a half ago. Mm-hmm. We had the finale of that, and I thought it was it was a little anticlimactic, but um, I liked that. Well, I don't want to give any spoilers away if anybody has a scene. If you haven't, then I don't know. But it was a little anticlimactic. But I think that it ended in a good place for um, the characters who are remaining. So um, I'm pretty interested to see uh, where they take it next year, for sure. And, Me too. Uh, yeah, they already kind of split pretty far from the comic. So. Oh yeah, I know. I was leafing through my books, and it's crazy what what they haven't done, what they've, who's died that lived, and who's uh, lived that died. Yeah. Um, and you know sometimes they do take certain things from the uh, the comics, but I like that they're doing it this way because Game of Thrones, which is in its uh, third episode, will be on on Sunday. And Game of Thrones has been the first two episodes so far this year have been excellent. Game of Thrones pretty much follows the books. I mean they have they do their own thing in some of the uh, sometimes, but not a whole lot. For the most part, if you've read the books, you know what's coming. But that doesn't make the show any less great. I've read the books. The show is awesome. But, I've only seen season one. Uh, I don't have HBO at this time, but I, I have read the books. Um, I think I'm caught up. Yeah. And I do recall that season one seemed to follow the, the novels pretty closely. Yeah, now this is the tricky part with uh, with Game of Thrones. In season three, they're um, sort of going to be cutting the book in half. And then, you know, what happens in the next few books is a lot of the viewpoints and the time frames sort of overlap so you might mm-hmm. you might be getting stuff from book four in 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 like something that's along with something that happened in book three because the actual time frames are the same. So the guys that are running that show they've really got their work cut out for them, but they do an excellent job. Um, I love it a lot. I love that show. Um, and there's a new show, Defiance, starting. One hand on the cross. He's lost. This town is worth fighting for. A man protects his home and his family. I do these things so our son never has to. You all know what to do. Fire! Every time we get ahead, you blow it for us. This is different. Yes, I'm very interested in Defiance. And, um, you know, I actually heard of it through the video game. 
there is a, uh, I guess, a tie-in game for uh, PC and consoles. Yeah, yeah, that that the show looks pretty cool, and it and uh, it's a sci-fi show on the Sci-Fi Channel, which is always an oddity nowadays. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> I remember when that show, that channel used to show Mystery Science Theater and uh, and Twilight Zone and Star Trek. Nowadays, it pretty much. I don't know what it shows, but there's a, there's a, that show in Continuum was a Canadian uh, sci-fi show that was on that was really cool, so I have pretty high hopes for this show. Um, I was hoping that maybe um, Blood and Chrome would get picked up for a series, but we'll see what happens uh, there. And just today, there's a new Star Trek Into Darkness poster, which is a pretty cool looking poster with the um, Enterprise sort of crashing into Earth with smoke behind it. Wow. Looks looks a lot like. The Iron Man three poster where Iron Man is plunging to Earth with smoke behind him, but that's posters nowadays. On the on the forum, I had a rant about how much better posters used to be in the eighties when like Drew Struzan would paint like an Indiana Jones or Big Trouble in Little China or The Goonies, and that was and that would tell you everything you needed to know about the movie in the poster. Exactly. Yeah, it seems like all the all the movies out now they kind of all have the same elements in the in the in the posters. You know, they have sparks and smoke and uh, Somebody pointed out to me that almost like a huge percentage of posters use um, orange and teal. Like you'll see that okay. Transformers and anyway, but that's it's anyway it's a cool looking poster. We are recording this on Friday before Sunday, so yeah, it just came out today. And um, one last thing I want to get to, which is that uh, shows are it's really cool the way shows are being brought to people nowadays and, and next month you're going to be having the uh, revival of um, Arrested Development on uh, Netflix and that's I, don't, it's not, I know it's not geeky but I think it kind of is because Arrested Development fans are some of the you know geekiest fans about a comedy show I've ever um, I've ever seen oh yeah they're hardcore Very. and I love that show and so that's coming on Netflix next month I think with 13 episodes starting near the end of May and Brandon Braga, who was a producer on Enterprise, sort of offhandedly mentioned that maybe Enterprise could come back on Netflix. And now there's a little bit of a Facebook um, sort of campaign to bring it onto Netflix. Now I'd be all for it. I, I want to see Star Trek on TV or in some other form besides movies. We've waited four, four years for this bloody movie to come out. So Wow. Has it been four years? Really? Like 2009. So a lot. Yeah. I mean, my daughter wasn't even was just born when that Star Trek movie came out, my, and she's uh, going into pre-K. So, yeah, it's been four years. Um, so I, I'm i all for it. I'd love to see some kind of Star Or a movie, maybe like a, like a, like a special or movie or something. I, I think that that show actually got pretty good in the last couple seasons. I, I was a fan of it. I'm a fan of Star Trek anyway. But I thought that the last, Me too. The last season was, was great. It had so many um, TOS uh, connections and the little arcs they were doing, like with... Uh, Doctor Soong and, uh, and the Klingons with their foreheads and the uh, Vulcans with the with their uh, little revolution there. I think those were all really cool episodes. And the ending, last episode, not so much. Don't really need. Didn't it, it was a next generation episode, but that whatever. Anyway, so if you uh, look on Facebook for Enterprise Netflix, I think you'll find it, and I think you should like it. Maybe just to hey whatever, bring a little bit of uh, notice to it. Maybe somebody will notice. So anyway. So what we're really here today to talk about is Robotech, the uh, show that was uh, 1985 was when it premiered in America. Um, and did, were you a watcher of that when you were? You must have been about eight or nine, right? Um, yeah, yeah, I was about nine years old, and I was a diehard fan already. Yeah, yeah and I remember up in New York, it was on Channel 11. Uh, it was on very early in the morning in New York, like seven or something. I think I want to say it wasn't like an afternoon show. I had, you had to get up to watch it. The afternoon shows were like Voltron, uh, Transformers, and that sort of thing. Thundercats. Thundercats. But I remember seeing it. I remember no, thinking that, you know, it's a, this is a, even at 10. I think I was about 10 years old. Yeah, it had to be. And I knew that there was something a little bit different about it. It was, for the time, a very uh, adult show for kids, I think. It was. And uh, that was actually one of the points that I had made a note to bring up because... You know, in those uh, times, you had cartoons like G.I. Joe, um, Transformers, Thundercats, what have you. Nobody died in those shows. And oh, my Robotech God. <laughs> People just full of death. I mean, in the, in the very opening scene, uh, when it's kind of introducing you to um, 
the SDF one crashing into Earth, you see like a whole city get wiped out. Yeah, like big towers falling. But um, let's get a little. I want to talk a little bit about the history of how it came over to America. There was a guy, a producer. His name is um, Carl uh, Macek, I want to say, or Mech. I don't know how you say his name. Anyway, it's M A C E K, and he's the guy behind Robotech for the most part. He's the guy that brought it to America, and he was apparently um, very uh, unhappy with the way that um, Battle of the Planets, which was Gotcha Man, he was he didn't think that it was adapted very well. You know, they had that what was it, what was the robot's name like Seven Zark Seven or something like that that mm-hmm. they, that was an Amer- that wasn't in the original anime that they kind of used, and so he wanted to. Um, sort of have something that was a little bit cl- stayed a little bit closer to the um, the original story so the best series that he could obtain was called he might have to help me with this one but it's Chojiko Yosai Macross I think that's close enough yeah okay it had only 36 episodes which uh, the standard North American TV market back then you needed to have 65 episodes I think that even continued on into like you know, Batman the Animated Series, that was what the standard animation package was, 65 episodes, so it was only 36, so what he did was he acquired two other animes that were sort of similar with, with uh, mechs, oh boy, Chojiku Kidan Sazan Kuroso, and... Which that, I think that translates into Super Dimension that's Cavalry right. Southern Cross. That's right, and then there's Genesis Climber Mos Piata, yep. and that's... Uh, as close as you're getting to American in that one, but um, and so what he did was he can he can he kind of sort of connected them with, as being an epic with having the characters in the next series being the next generation of the characters in the series beforehand, and also they tied it all together with uh, this alien energy source called Protoculture that whatever enemy they're fight they're facing always wants Protoculture no matter what, so. That's how they sort of tied it all together, and then, uh, you know, which was pretty, uh, it's pretty ambitious. Um, when I was a kid, I didn't realize that it was three different shows. I mean, I, I noticed the differences in the, in the. Uh, I was always kind of like, oh, I like the the planes better than these tanks, you know, and yeah, you know. So I didn't really, I wasn't that hip on the tanks, but you know, to me, it was still the one story. Pretty interesting way to do it. Um, so Robotech, the the actual word Robotech was um, used by Ravel, I guess. There was a, a, a model kit line called Robotech Defenders. Yes. And it had like a bunch of import uh, imports from Japan. Uh, Super Dimension Fortress Macross, uh, Orgus, Super Dimension Century Orgus, and Fang of the Sun Dugram. <laughs> yep. They, back in those days, um, they were just kind of grabbing up whatever really uh, cool mecha designs they could find from Japan and just, you know, I don't even know if there were any copyright agreements signed or anything. It was just, you know, if this looks cool, we're going to try and make a toy out of it or make a model out of it. So that's sort of where the name came from. And I remember, I, I, I do remember those model kits. I think I had the Orgus. I'm fairly certain I did. It's one of those things you kind of saw on the shelves all the time. Yep. So, um, so the way that they broke it up, the story lines up, uh, it was the first Robotech War, which is the Macross Saga. Um, that's pretty much what I, we're going to be covering today for the most part, because it's the biggest chunk of it, and it's the, I think it's the bit that I think everybody is most familiar with. And probably the best. It's, it definitely is the best. There's not even a question. <laughs> it, it, there's some weirdness in it, but compared to some of the stuff that happens in the other two. And then there's the second Robotech War, which is the Masters, and then there's the third Robotech War, which is called the New Generation. But the Macross Saga, what it does is concerns uh, humanity's discovery of a crashed alien ship and the subsequent battle against a race of giant warriors called the Zentradi, uh, who have been sent to retrieve the ship for reasons unknown. In the course of this chapter, Earth is nearly annihilated and the Zentradi are defeated and uh, humans gain knowledge of of the energy source called protoculture. Uh, They also learn of the Robotech Masters, uh, who the Zentradi actually worked for. So, um... How close do you think that Macross sticks to the original story? I mean, I know, I mean, the Macross saga compared to Macross uh, in Japan. Um, from what I understand, and I have seen some of the uh, subtitled um, episodes of Macross, it's fairly close. Um, the difference is there was a lot of uh, content cut 
um, that was a little bit more mature. Oh, yeah. And that was actually, some of that stuff was put on the remastered DVDs? Yes. Which is like, uh, I think, like Rick uh, shooting uh, one of the Zentradi in the back. Yep. And um, I think Roy... Roy staring at, <laughs> staring uh, at Min-Mai's. Min-Mai's ass. I mean, butt. <laughs> staring at Minmay's butt, yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, some other, and I think there's some blood on Roy when he's, uh, anyway... Uh, yeah, but that it, it was even considering the stuff that they cut, the show was was pretty uh, was pretty mature, as we said earlier. Um, but let's uh, let's see. So, so some of the characters in Robotech, if you remember Robotech, you remember the characters. Uh, Rick Hunter, who is sort of the hero character. If you were saying this was uh, Star Wars, he's Luke Skywalker, I guess, right? Exactly. You know, Roy Foker, definitely. Again, Han Solo. Roy Foker is my favorite, just like Han Solo is my favorite. Yeah, me too. He's a fan favorite. <clears throat> and then there's, um, oh boy, and there's Lynn Min May, <laughs> uh, and she's sort of one of Rick's love interests, and the other one is Lisa Hayes, who's the first officer of the uh, of the SDF-1. Um, and there's that, that love triangle pretty much runs throughout the series until the uh, very last episode, actually. That's uh, true. Yeah, I mean, it sort of gets resolved in that last scene. Uh, there's Captain Global, Max Sterling, who's like a pilot, super ace pilot. Uh, ben Dixon, who's sort of uh, the the uh, Jack Porkins of of Robotech. <laughs> <laughs> he also meets his demise, I yeah, think. He does. Yeah. And uh, now the bad guys, you got um, Chiron, who's pretty cool. He's a loose cannon. He wants to just wipe everybody out. Britai, he's got like this cool like eye thing over his eye. Exodor, who's like sort of his toady, right? And then you got Dolza. Yep. Dolza, who's like that big blob guy. He's like a big, huge head. And then there's a couple others like Claudia Grant, who's Roy Foker's girlfriend, and Lynn Kyle, who's supposedly Miria's cousin, but there's a lot of weirdness between the two of them. I don't know what that's all about. Okay, so talking about the characters, um, what do you think were some of the biggest character moments uh, throughout the show that were maybe surprising or something that you remember uh, that sort of left an imprint on you? Well, I think the big one for anybody that watched this show was uh, the death of Roy Foker. Oh, yeah. Easily. Oh, hi, Lisa. What brings you here this fine morning? I'm sorry, Rick. Commander Foker is dead. Commander Foker is... He's dead. What? He was wounded and lost too much blood. My big brother's dead. That is definitely, definitely, uh, probably one of the things that shocked me as a kid when I first time I saw it. Because again, you know, in shows like like this and or shows in the '80s, your characters didn't die. You didn't see your, your GI Joes or your uh, Transformers. They didn't just get killed. Although Transformers, I guess, but they just you didn't see people getting killed. And and have a character like Roy get killed and he got killed in such a sort of a weird wasted battle it wasn't even a it wasn't even really a big battle either it was just a couple of ships and he sort of got taken unawares and he got shot and he sort of uh came back to the ship and sort of tried to hide it but he ended up dying and that was the weirdest part to me was that he survived the battle came back to the sdf1 but died in his cabin right that was weird. and um, I think Rick wasn't he? Uh, he was like hurt at the time too, wasn't he? He was like unconscious or he was like in a coma. And, I believe so, yeah. yeah. Or he was in the hospital. I remember that he had like a bandage on that hair of his. And uh, some of the characters I didn't really talk about in that little bit there was now the bridge crew. There was Captain Global, and he's a pretty interesting character. He's like a Russian sort of character, and he smokes a pipe. He has like a big hat, and he's got these. He's got all these women on the bridge with him. Vanessa, yeah, Sammy, Kim, um, and then of course Claudia Lisa and Claudia Grant. Right. So they, it's funny that he has like an interesting relationship with those girls. What are you laughing about? It was so obvious. We should have known. A booby trap, of course. Booby trap, sir. Yes, it's one of the oldest tricks in military history. A retreating enemy leaves behind hidden explosives and such. The aliens who abandoned the ship armed it with an automatic defense system designed to detect and destroy their enemies. The 
activation of the guns means that unfriendly forces have approached close enough to be a threat to us. Hmm. Captain Cloak? Yes, what is it, Sandy? No smoking on the bridge. Huh. It's against regulations, sir. I was just holding it. I wasn't going to light it. Scramble all the fighters and prepare for combat! And a lot of the show uh, is sort of on the bridge with either Lisa, uh, Lisa or him giving, uh, talking about what's going on. So let's see what else is there's a uh, and Midmay has that has a pretty interesting arc, I guess. I mean, she sort of becomes uh, a main focus because the the Zentradi, which are, are clones, they've never really heard music before. They don't have any culture of their own. Right. So with the first time they hear music, it almost bewilders them, you know, and, and prevents them from fighting right and that was a pretty uh, pretty interesting thing where and this is a theme that sort of goes on in macross if you looked at, at this as far as the japanese show macross music is always sort of central which is uh i think there was even a, a macross show where uh their pilots were playing guitars macross seven. Oh yeah yeah um so she has a a pretty uh important moment where they're going to have this big huge battle with the with the zentradi armada well, there's the the rebels Zentradi, and they're fighting the other Zentradi, and uh, she has to get up and sing that they're going to broadcast it to the enemy, and she sings this song called "We Will Win," which is yep. probably the only time I've really liked a Min May song because it really kind of went along with what was being on what was shown on screen. You know, there's lots of explosions and ships are flying. And... It's a great scene. Transitions being picked up by Dozen ships. Good. All ships move out. monitor. I don't know, but we're receiving it on all our open communication frequencies. We're within firing range. No counterattack detected. It's working. This is it. Fire. Yeah, that really is um, probably one of the best. It's probably the, the I think, yeah, I think as far as the series goes, it's probably the best scene in the whole series, which is, and Minmay, I think, in general, is a pretty uh, sort of when he talks to people like Robotech, they're like, oh, Min May. But really, she was important in that factor. Yeah, she was crucial to to the victory um, over the Zentradi uh, yeah. military because without her, so yeah. So I mean, she had some weirdness with with Lynn Kyle, her cousin, and he seemed to have some sort of a thing for her, and he was her manager. And then again, yeah, that was really weird. Yeah. That was very bizarre. That was a very Japanese thing, I think. Yeah, and uh, then like a, there was not only was there a love triangle with with her, Rick, and Lisa. It's her, Rick, and Lynn Kyle. It was like I don't know what's yeah. going on. Yeah, uh, Lynn Kyle was a was a, a pacifist, I think, and he that's right. Uh, he was very um, against the military and and Rick Hunter and. Yeah, I always loved that these shows where like these pacifists decide to take their stand when there's like an alien armada that's about to kill everybody in the military is your only <laughs> hope of survival. But yeah, exactly. they're the bad guys. <laughs> Maybe we can argue this when we don't when we're not getting blasted by lasers. And Rick, he uh, has again, he starts off as sort of a pacifist, but then he sort of he ends up getting his own squadron, I guess, and he gets um, Max Sterling and Ben Dixon, and they're sort of his wingmen, and. Um, you know, Ben is uh, sort of like a big oaf, you know, and uh, he's always getting in trouble as far as he can't fly a ship very well. And uh, <laughs> Max is well, you take what you can get when when that many uh, people have been wiped out, I guess. Right. And Max, I think Rick is Rick's is jealous of Max because Max is a better pilot than him. Um, Max is the best pilot. Right. And Max. So in that little squadron, that's Ben gets killed in an episode. And uh, if you saw it nowadays, you would see it coming a mile away. But, yep. uh, you know, <laughs> he gets killed and it's too bad. And then that's sort of a sad thing. And again, they're killing characters. It's crazy. And Max, who's got blue hair and he flies with uh, eyeglasses. <laughs> yes. He's got these awesome uh, tinted, yeah. tinted aviator glasses. And uh, he comes to the notice of a female Zentradi, and she's like saying he's like the best ace. Lose your taste for combat, my friend. Return to oh. base, Vermilion Three. You've beaten him. Not decisively. 
Nuria will not soon forget this day, my Cronian. Of all time, and she ends up, her name is Miria, I forget her last name, but anyway, her name is Miria. She ends up infiltrating the SDF-1, and she kind of, her and Max end up, after her trying to kill him, they end up in a romantic relationship. Yeah, they actually uh, fight in a video game as well, like a simulator, <laughs> if I remember correctly. That's and, right, uh, that's right, in the arcade. Yeah, in the arcade, there was an episode about that. That's right. And they're both, I think, like the elite pilots from each side, and they can't resist each other. And uh, let's see, there's Lisa, who is Rick's, the other girl that Rick is sort of into. And whenever I watch the show, I still don't get where her and Rick even come together. I mean, you know, but whatever. They seem to like each other at the end, but she's sort of an uptight, stick-up-her-butt type of character. She's a very type-A personality. Right. And uh, kind of annoying in the beginning. And her father's an admiral, and her, he ends up getting killed. Uh, in the Force of Arms episode where the Zentradi lay waste to most of the planet. <laughs> 95% of the Earth. Right, which is nuts. So, I mean, the characters themselves, there, there's a lot of depth there in these characters. So whenever I remember the show, I remember the characters. Oh, I did want to bring up uh, something about, uh, you, were, you were talking about how Lisa and Rick kind of get together. Yeah. Um, when they were captured together. So Lisa, Rick, and Ben are captured by the Zentradi. And they're being in, uh, interrogated by Dolza, Brita, and Exidor. She's kind of wondering why they don't just go and attack the SDF-1. And then Dolza becomes infuriated when she taunts him about it, slams his hand on the table, and causes the captives to lose their balance. He then grabs Lisa and lifts her up to his face um, and wants to know um, how they got so small. Uh, because, of course, the Zentradi are you know, 50 feet tall. So Lisa refuses to respond to him, um, and he starts to squeeze her until she screams. Um, Rick, all of a sudden, kind of springs into action and yells at him to put her down and explains that humans are actually born biologically. They're not clones, and they're born at that size. Um, Brittai wants to know what love is and how it's expressed, and he demands uh, you know, an example. So that's when um, Rick and Lisa kiss, and it's kind of forced... But I think that's kind of where the romance got started. Listen, Lieutenant Hunter, I want you to kiss me. Huh? I want to get their reaction on my video recorder. All right, then, but why don't you do it with Ben? Because I'd rather do it with you, Rick. Then you'd better make it a command. You will now proceed. I'm giving you a direct order. Whatever you say, Commander. Are you ready? Yes. Forgive me, Min May. This results from protoculture. Protoculture? Why does he keep mentioning it? That's right. I was struggling to remember that because, I mean, I can't watch a whole show. (laughs) You know, there's many episodes. Um, But you're right. That's where the romance started. They were sort of forced to do it. And uh, the uh, the bad guys were interesting characters, too. I liked, I mean, Britai... At first, he's sort of like, he's the commander of, of the bad guys, but he's sort of, you realize that he's a, a reasonable guy, you know, of, yeah. a, of a sort, and that, you know, he sort of sees the uh, error of what they're doing and and, uh, and joins up with with the uh, SDF-1, which is a pretty cool scene. And uh, Exodor, his little dude, who he sends over to the uh, he micronizes him and sends him over to the SDF1 and there's that funny scene where Exodor wants to he starts singing Min May's song yeah <laughs> because he's they doing think karaoke or something yeah i don't know yeah well, he's like holding up like a microphone or a fake microphone i thought that was that we, i always remember that whenever i think of Exodor i always remember him singing that stage stage fright song it would be helpful if you could be more specific about the female she appears to be performing some kind of ritual a strange little chant. Do you think he... No, he couldn't. Sure he could. You know. Stage fright, go away. This is my big day. Uh, this is my... So he is talking about this La, 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 I don't believe this. They must think that Min May's singing is a weapon of some kind. Have the girl brought here. They were in drag, weren't they? 
Oh, that you're thinking. Oh, the other three. What was the? Um, they were kind of like the Three Stooges. Yeah, they were the Three of, Stooges. The they, they were the spies, and they became like so enamored with Min May, and that's what they brought back. They brought back those Min May dolls to the uh, Zentradi ship, right? And they that's were right. And they were singing, and the doll started singing, and the and they were Zentradi like, Rrr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, I, I forget. I, I this stuff sort of comes back to me. I mean, I remember so much of it, but. Not this, not so many of the specifics, and then um, Chiron, who was just a total bad guy. Yep, he was cool. So we got Chiron, the Destroyer, backstabber, wasn't he? I think he was. Um, and um, he has a pretty at the end. His ending uh, for his character is pretty crazy. He crashes his ship right into the uh, SDF one or SDF two, depending on you know what source you look at. They they're talking about the SDF two in in the show, but you never really see it. Um, but the ending of the, uh, of the show, uh, ends up with, uh, pretty much everybody dying, <laughs> yep. you know, um, as far as that was on the SDF one, there was only a few people, but except for they put Lisa into an escape pod and she sees Rick, but, uh, Chiron crashes his ship into the SDF one and kills Captain Global and the bridge crew. Captain Global, Claudia, yeah, and Cla- Vanessa, yeah. Sammy, Kim, pretty much all the bridge bunnies die since... So very sad. Yep. Yeah, and they have that last scene where there's a snow, like sort of the snow falling, and Min May goes away. So it's uh, it could be pretty emotional if you're if you're susceptible. So that's the characters. But um, so the thing that I remember when I think of Robotech is uh, the opening uh, the opening music intro, which I think is is just awesome. It's got like the music is great. It's done by this Italian guy Opio Manucci. Uh, I think you can't even mention Robotech without thinking about the score. No, the it's music. That, it's that good. I, I bought the CD when it came out. Like it was like the I think it was called like the Robotech Perfect Collection or something. Like about 15, 10, 15 years ago. Yep. And it's a great. It's great. Except for, you know this, there's the uh, one disc that has the um, the score, and then there's the uh, other disc that has all the Min May music. So you can listen to the first disc, but um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the second disc it's not not so great. But it is funny. I mean, and the, and, uh, the basic. Uh, I have a rundown here of, of the Macross saga, which is very, very in-depth. But the uh, the basic premise is that in uh, 1999, there was a, a massive uh, spaceship uh, cra- uh, crashed on the fictional uh, island called Macross Island in the South Pacific. And when it crashes, like we were saying earlier, like, I mean, it, like, you know, like oceans are rising and the ships are, or the uh, cities are falling and it just has a huge explosion. What happened, and the, I guess Earth was, uh, at the time, was on the verge of like nuclear war and the ship uh, crashing pretty much stopped that. So they, uh, they got into the ship and they found this, uh, this, uh, alien technology, which they called robo technology. And then over 10 years, like a city sprang up all around the ship and they're and it just all kind of dedicated to rebuilding the ship and, and making, um, robo technology. 
Um, so for 10 years. So the ship was ready to launch in 2009. So that was a few years ago. I don't remember that, but whatever. <laughs> now, if, am I crazy in thinking that um, a plane turning into a robot was sort of new? Was this like the first time? Or was Transformers? Was this bef- did this predate Transformers at all in Japan? I think they were around the same time. Um, they were both kind of... In Japan, um, Robotech, uh, the Macross saga was early 80s, earlier 80s. 82, I think? Yeah. So right around the time, I think that uh, Transformers were, were popular over there. So right. um, I know that there was a Transformer that was based on uh, the Veritech. Yeah, Jetfire. Jetfire. Yeah. And if you had Jetfire uh, back then, that was like the holy grail. It really was because you had a Robotech toy. <laughs> exactly. You had a Robotech toy right out of the box. Yeah, and it's pretty much it's the exact toy is what it is, and I'm pretty sure that's, that it was a Macross. Right, it was just a Macross toy from Japan that they just turned into a Transformer. Yep. And uh, so you have the ship is called the SDF-1, which stands for Super Dimensional Fortress 1. Um, and like we were saying, they fly, they had their uh, their fighters are called Veritex. In Japan, they were called Valkyrie fighters, but in the American version are called Veritex and they have three they have three different forms one is a plane that looks pretty much like a F-14 with like bigger engines on the back and uh, maybe if it's all tricked out it might have some like rockets on top and some more missiles it has a form which is like sort of like a half plane and like half robot where it's got like the plane but like the arms sticking out the bottom and the legs guardian mode guardian mode that's right and then the Battleoid, right? Battleoid mode. Battleoid mode when it's a full-on robot. So, and then they have uh, various other little small, like I, I don't remember uh, them going into the other mech too much. I think it was mostly Veritech, and then you saw like those little tank dudes that had like rockets and stuff. But um, they did have um, other types of mechs, but they were—I forget what they were called now. I'd have to look it up. But they—they they were stationed close to the SDF-1, and they were designed to to defend. They didn't yeah. transform. So when the when the the ship is going to launch, you're getting ready to launch the ship. I mean, coincidentally enough, uh, a Zentradi Armada comes into the solar system looking for the ship on the very day it's going to launch. What are the odds? When the Zentradi show up, uh, the SDF-1 detects it and it uh, fires off this huge main gun and like blows two ships up like immediately. And it's pretty. It's a pretty cool scene. It's a great scene, and it's the I think the premise for the the first episode's title, Booby Trap. Right. And and they didn't know. I don't think they knew the ship did that, or did they? No, they knew the ship did that, right? I think they knew about the the main cannon, but I don't believe they were expecting it to fire on its own. Right. And uh, yeah, the ship is is a, a lot of the things that it does it ends up surprising them. But these these Entrati, they do attack, and uh, Rick Hunter, who's um, who we we're talking about earlier, he's coming in just to watch the ship launch, and he has no interest in the military. He's kind of like a Sort of like a peacenik, I guess. In the beginning, he's like he's a pacifist. Yeah, yeah he's like oh, big deal. He's his, his his he calls him his big brother, Roy Foker, who's uh, the commander of the uh, fighter group. Uh, he's like oh, big deal. He kills stuff. And anyway, in the what as as happens in sci-fi and th- and these kinds of type of things, like he ends up in a he ends up in a in a Veritech and he ends up getting into the battle, not doing much good, but ends ends up crashing into uh, into the city and transforming the uh, Veritech not on purpose, and uh, causing some havoc. It was just a close one. You all right? Yeah, I'm okay. Don't worry. Combat flying's scary for everybody when they first begin. You'll be all right, though. You'll find it's not that much different from the good old days with the flying circus. Yeah, but I never got shot at at the circus, Roy. You'll get used to it. Just tag along behind me for a while, if you can keep up with me. If I can, I'll do my best not to leave you behind. That's the spirit. Let's go get him, little brother. But that's a. It's all pretty. It's a pretty. It's a pretty packed first episode or two. Um, yes, a lot of stuff goes on. You get introduced to um, pretty much all the main characters. The cool. Th- there's a really the really cool scene um, where the captain uh, Global decides that he wants to get the hell out of there and uh, perform a space fold maneuver. But unfortunately, <laughs> it was all theory. They didn't really know what they were doing. So they use this, they, they activate the space fold uh, device and it creates a bubble around the ship and they end up taking pretty much 
almost a big chunk of the, uh, almost a whole island with them. Yeah, they take most of Macross City with them. Right, up into space. And uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, they end up rescuing a bunch of people into the SDF-1. But they they sort of were using the ship to lead the Zentradi away from Earth. And there's tons of, tons of episodes where they... uh, they get into fights, and then I think, and in, in, you know, Rick decides he's going to become a pilot, and he's also obsessed with this Min May, who is obsessed with becoming a singer. <laughs> yeah, it, it seems kind of like part of his uh, reasoning for wanting to become a pilot is is kind of to impress Min May, which right. is something that I noticed. Yeah. Now they these uh, the the crazy thing is so there's they end up getting about seventy thousand of these people on board the ship. That were in Macross City, and they build the city inside the ship. Yes. And what happens is the uh, SDF-1, like the Veritex, has the ability to transform, and it it turns into a big sort of robot-looking thing, and the <laughs> like, big um, doors open up, and like causes all kinds of havoc with the city and everything. It's pretty crazy. So those those people didn't didn't catch much of a break by getting inside of the STF one. <laughs> Not at all. All systems attention. All systems attention. Commence maneuvering for firing of main gun. Transformation to initiate in three minutes. They can't be doing a transformation now. They're out of their minds. Two minutes, thirty seconds. Huh? You're out. Attention, all citizens. This ship will be undergoing a modular transformation in 60 seconds. Transformation? What's that? I don't know. Um, there's a... Boy, there's so many good... Uh, so many cool episodes. And, and in, in the midst of, like... There's always... I mean, there's. I don't think there's an episode that doesn't have some sort of drama with the Zentradi. Even if it's... Ne- oh, maybe there is. Maybe like that one where it's mid-May Sweet 16 party. Uh, True. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean... Uh, so even with all that, there's so much. Um, so for so this this show is aimed at kids. I mean, it was aimed at kids, right? I mean, um, in, in Japan, I think it was probably more for teenagers, right? But I think in our in America, it was on with your your other shows. I mean, yeah, it was definitely you know probably like ages uh, seven to ten kind of thing. So for an anim for an animated show, I think they dealt with all these sort of like romances and things that you didn't see like on G.I. Joe, you know what I mean? You never saw like Duke and Scarlet be like, hey, baby, you know? <laughs> no, there was, a, there was a level of depth with Robotech that you you just didn't get with other shows and I think that really set it above those, you know, um, kind of toy commercials. Yeah, I remember, and then the, oh yeah, so the, uh, when they jumped into space, they also um, took those two um, battleships with them and they ended up connecting the battleships to, the, like, I guess the SDF-1's arms, mm-hmm. I guess. And they did that cool thing where they took the shields and, like, put it on the front of one of the ships and punched through, like, a Zentradi. They punched right through a ship. I mean, yeah, they, they brought up all kinds of stuff. Like, Lisa has, uh, she's she sees that Lynn Kyle guy, and it reminds her of, like, this fiancé that she had. And she's having flashbacks of him leaving and dying and... I mean, there's all kinds of very, like, soap opera type, adult type stuff that's in this show. Um, and, again, I think that it's a pretty sci-fi type of show as far as, like, the some of the concepts like folding space and things. I mean, it was pretty sophisticated for, for 1985, I think. It was way ahead of its time. Yeah. I mean... I really, uh, I really enjoyed. Now the let's see, there was the big battle. Force is force of arms. Force of arms is like the big. That's the that's the that's the episode where like Earth pretty much gets destroyed. I mean, isn't that is that the one? I think so. Yeah, it kind yeah. of gets glassed from orbit. I mean, and they kill like I mean, there's a there's a shot where like a soldier is talking to like a little girl and they get blown up. I mean, yep. like, people. It's like it's super violent for a kids show, but that's so anyway. In the end. Um, Rick Hunter ends up with Lisa Hayes, who is the first officer, and Min May goes on her way. There's there's a few episodes that, that follow Force of Arms, which is sort of the SDF one dealing with life on Earth, and I mean everybody kind of seems pretty bummed out. <laughs> yeah, I would be too. And this is sort of where they start to um, thread into the Robotech Masters and all of that. So the I think a lot of people uh, in a rewatch, which is what when I I sort of vaguely remembered Robotech. I remembered the ships and I remembered it, but when I when I was working in that store and I, I was working with you or Matt, 
Matt reminded me of of Robotech, and then I sat down and rewatched the whole thing, and I was pretty impressed with how well it held up. But I was sort of less impressed with somehow some of the story elements that didn't sort of jive too well, you know, mm-hmm. because you're still dealing you're dealing with like you know three different series, so it's not going to. But like you know, okay, so Dana, who is the main character of the second series, is the daughter of Maximiria. Maximiria, yeah. Right? But she had green hair, you know, when she was a baby, and then she's a blonde <laughs> as a grown-up. This is sort of, yeah. this is the sort of stuff that bothers me. You know, I'm like, oh, there's clearly something wrong here. But there are some um, books that were put out by uh, it's two authors actually. It, it was put on, under the uh, pseudonym of Jack McKinney, and it kind of it's, it covers the whole series from beginning to end, and it. Um, it even and it sort of wraps up. This, they have a book called The End of the Circle, but the uh, it was two authors. One was was James Luceno, who does some Star Trek books, and uh, Brian Daly uh, is another author. They so they did, together they adapted Robotech into novel form, and they wrote the Sentinels, which was going to be another series after Robotech. Robotech to the Sentinels. They did a. It was sort of like I guess it was a TV movie, hour and a half long. Mm-hmm. I thought it was kind of kind of weak. Yeah, it wasn't that great. I think it it was on Netflix. Yeah, recently. I think all well, all of Robotech is on Netflix. Robotech and and all sixty five episodes uh, is currently on Netflix for right. streaming play. But they adapted the whole book series, and I've also read all those. And they sort of like have to um, even out some of the things that don't work, and they make it work somehow. I don't know how, but they do. And they're actually very they're a good read. So you can act, they're all on Amazon. You can get them all, I think, for like they, they kinda combined a bunch of the books into like an omnibus, you can get it for like eight bucks or something. I mean it's a pretty good deal. If you're a fan, they're definitely worth a read. They're they're uh, much better than what you would expect. So Robotech was followed by Robotech two, then it was followed by uh, Robotech the Shadow Chronicles, which was a couple years ago, I guess. I think that is actually on Netflix too. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's it's uh, it's a little bit different, but it's not bad. Um, but they never kind of followed it up, unfortunately. But the Macross uh, series, boy, that had all kinds of different iterations. There was uh, the show Super Dimension Fortress Macross. There was Macross. Do you remember Love? That was a movie. Yeah, that was kind of a standalone film. Yeah, and they they did. Um, it was dubbed over here, but it's probably one of the worst dubs I've ever heard in my life. It's a terrible dub. If you oh. can watch it subtitled, it's, it's definitely worth a watch. Yeah, I mean, it's got some of the... I mean, I don't even know what was going on in that. I mean, I, I, nobody speaks English the way they were speaking it in that thing. Um, then there was Macross Plus. Uh, my One of my favorite series at the time... Actually, the only thing you would consider it a series, it was uh, OVA. Um, I believe it was four um episodes if i remember correctly yeah it was i remember uh when we had them in the store back then it would come in a, one tape you know you get, one they, cassette yeah they were not cheap either back then no there was something like 30 35 dollars uh per tape back then yeah anime was um back then in the 90s anime was becoming big over here i mean it was sort of it had its, it had a little bit of its time in the 80s when like akira was sort of popular I mean, Akira was, I don't, know, I don't know how popular it was, but it was it was known. In know? the 80s, we got a lot of anime. We just didn't know it was anime. And uh, it was usually poorly, poorly dubbed, um, heavily uh, altered. And the 90s, um, you know, for the first time, we started to get stuff with uh, the original Japanese audio with subtitles. And uh, so that was really a good time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the 80s, you had Voltron, which was... Um, Go Lion and Dairuger, right? The uh, mm-hmm. Go Lion was the the lion ones, and the other one was the one that the cars and the helicopters and stuff. Yep, there was a lot a, of vehicles to form Voltron. Yeah, yeah, it was for weird. some reason. But they did have that one where the two Voltrons were together. But that's not that's not, has nothing to do with Robotech. We had the eighty the nineties uh, anime really kind of exploded. It was very very big. I remember um, a lot of the anime I watched I borrowed from you back then. You know, like. Um, Ghost in the Shell and things like that, um, but in the 2000s, I mean, there's so much anime now. But you're, it's not like it. It's not sort of in the in the 70s. There was very very little. 60s, 70s, you know, in the 60s you had Astro Boy and Kimba and things like that. 70s mm-hmm. you had Star Blazers, which I Star Blazers. I sort of remember Star Blazers, um, and I remember Battle of the Planets. I remember I liked the guys with the bird 
looking outfits. <laughs> and there, there had been, um, there's at least one, maybe two more modern versions of uh, Gotcha Man, if you ever are interested in checking that out. I remember there was one that was put out in the 90s, right? Yep. Yeah, I remember that one. I remember when I watched it, I was like, ooh, this is violent. <laughs> Very violent. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. So if uh, you had to pick something in Robotech that you that kind of stands out for you after 30 years almost, what, did, what would it be? Wow. Um, off the top of my head, I would say the mech design uh, still holds up very well. Yeah, I um, agree with you. The SDF-1 looks amazing um, in both modes. Um, the Veritex still look very futuristic. You know, they have that kind of trademark gun pod underneath. You know the tri-barrel gun pod. Yeah. Um, but they're still very cool. I think I still have some, some Valkyries um, in the box somewhere. Yeah, I got one at a convention. Uh, I if you ever want to get a good deal at a convention, go on a Sunday and then wait until the end when everybody's packing up. <laughs> I got yep. one of those masterpiece collections, like the uh, Skull One. Mm-hmm. I got it for like I think I want to say twenty-five dollars, and it was mint, mint in box. Wow. Because the guy was packing up, and I saw it, and I'm like, well, what do you want for this? And he's like, I think he said like 80 bucks. And I was like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> anyway, I ended up getting it for pretty cheap, and I still have it. It's a, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's sort of like it reminds me of that old um, that old uh, Jetfire toy. It's, I guess, yep. a, yeah, but it's a pretty cool, and it, the box itself is pretty cool. And they put out many, many toys of these and models. Of they did. The, uh, tons of them. But you're right, I think that... When I think of but when, you know when I think of Robotech, I just for some reason always think of the characters and the music before anything else. I don't know why. Like, yeah, the music and the opening montage just kind of cements the whole series to me. Yeah, it's very and epic. It's epic, and the, and again, the characters were very for you know even though like you know there was all your your typical uh, translation problems with with anime characters, where there's a lot of huh. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, what was that? And yep. you know, a lot of nonsense words because they're trying to um, match the what's going on on screen. When sometimes a character's throwing like a tantrum for no reason at all, and her mouth gets mm-hmm. you know, they got to put words in there. But you know, besides all that, I mean, you know, you kind of there were pretty relatable characters. And I think obviously since Star Wars and all that was such a big thing when I was a kid, I think that you know, when you if you, I mean, let's face it, if it wasn't for Star Wars, our generation probably wouldn't have been into science fiction that much. I mean, Star Trek was around, but Star Trek wasn't what got me into science fiction. It was um, it was Star Wars, then Star Trek. So, yeah, same here. You know, so, you know, I think Star Wars, you can pretty much, when you look at the 80s and the things that came out of it, I think that you can say, well, Star Wars sort of showed that there was a, a market for this sort of thing, and that's probably sort of, you know, these stories, you know, we're all... Uh, Robotech is definitely a space opera. It, yeah, it's classified as a space opera. So, well, I would say so. So, now that we're uh, sort of nearing the end here, um, where does the uh, the future of the franchise and the past of the franchise lie? I mean, isn't there there's some issues with like rights and things like that? I believe the uh, studio that owns the rights, Harmony Gold, um, still owns the rights to Robotech. So, um, I know there have been quite a few projects that. Um, people have tried to get done games and, and series that um, Harmony Gold is kind of nixed. So um, that's definitely a, a, a disappointment if you're a Robotech fan. But um, they are actually working on a, a live-action movie, or at least it's planned. Tobey Maguire has a production company. Right. Maguire Entertainment. Yes. Um, and he wants to do a live-action film. Um, and uh, Lawrence Kasdan... Um, was going to write the film. Empire Strikes Back, in case you're wondering. Empire Strikes Back, um, Raiders of Lost Ark. Yep. Um, yeah, the, the, the latest news on that is that they had a director who was going to do it. The director's name is Nick Mathieu, it looks like. Now this, Matthew. Matthew, there you go. Yeah. And this is uh, from January of this year, so it's not that old news. But I've been hearing this live-action Robotech rumblings for probably five, six years now, easily, and yeah. it just it's it screams out to be done uh, and done well. Yeah, especially considering now we got this movie coming out called uh, Pacific Rim, which if that's not like you know an anime movie in real life, I don't know what is. I mean, everything I've seen from that just reminds me of like 
anime. I mean, the big suits, besides being like, what do they call it, gaiju, you know, like the uh, monster movies. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's that sort of connection. Um, so I think that, um, and there's a new Godzilla coming out too. So I yes. mean, big robots, big monsters, that's sort of going to be put in people's heads this year. And if that Pacific Rim is a success, I could see no reason why Robotech might not finally get off the ground here. Because I think it would be a, I mean, a really just a visually, this, this is the time to do it, man. I mean, I could see why it wasn't done years ago because effects were not great. But Well, it was pretty much limited to, uh, you know, manual animation. But now that we have uh, CG at the level that it's progressed to, I think it could be done very well. Yeah, I'm, I'd, I'd love to see it. I mean, I hope I get to see <laughs> I mean, I'm pushing 40 here. Hard to believe. <laughs> I mean, I can't even. Every time I think of that, I just kind of get depressed. I think, how did, where did, this is, so it's almost been 30 years since I watched this show the first time. And I don't know where time goes. I don't know. I can't believe that the 80s is 30 years ago. I can't. Me neither. I mean, it's just, it's just nuts. Now, yeah, and, and with the rights issues, I mean, I know that this, the, the, this, there was like, there's been like a bunch of different uh, people who put out DVD sets, right? Mm-hmm. And like, They've even put out the same thing over and over again, sort of, and people have sort of accused them of double dipping, you know, a la George Lucas or something, yep. you know what I mean? Or like Peter Jackson with, you know, you know there's going to be an extended Hobbit that comes out this year, but they still put, you know, you get the regular Blu-ray and then, you know, I didn't fall for it this time. I really wish that that somebody could arrest control of the series away from Harmony Gold because um, a lot of people don't know this, but there have been some spectacular Robotech um, actually, in Japan, they're called Macross Games. Yeah. Um, both on the PS and the PlayStation 2. Actually, Sega um, made an arcade game. And um, it has most of the major battles from uh, the Macross Saga. And the only way you can play it is to import it. Yeah. Um, and it's an excellent game. We did get Battlecry yes. uh, over here back in 2002, which is not a bad game. I think it was even kind of cel-shaded. If I remember correctly. It was cell shaded. It was. I have it for the GameCube. I'm not sure what other. It was on uh, PS2, I think. PS2 and Xbox. Xbox as well. Yeah, I have it for the GameCube, and I, I liked it a lot. It was cell shaded. It was sort of. Um, it's sort of you're playing a character that's uh, going along, sort of some of the story that happens in the uh, Macross show. You know, you're not. I, I think you you're involved in some of the big uh, battles. I know you're in um, the Force of Arms and all that. Mm-hmm. But you, you do have some. It's not bad. It's a. Fun it's not game. a bad game. Definitely, if you if you have an Xbox, um, a PS2, or a GameCube, um, you can probably find it on eBay or wherever uh, for pennies. Yeah, and that was I bought it right away because I remember they were going to have a Robotech game when the N64 launched. That was going to be like one of the games that was like the first out of the yes. game. Crystal was, Dreams. Crystal Dreams, and I and they and I remember the magazine showing like you saw a picture of the. Uh, as a Zentradi battle pod, and I was like, "Oh my God, look at 3D!" You know, because you know, yep. all we had was SNES. Yeah, and, you it know, was, it was one of the first. Um, it was supposed to be the first 3D uh, Robotech game. Yeah, and there was a lot of hype, and it just kind of disappeared. Well, well you know, it happens with with video games, and and you know, the, the developers run out of money, and that's the end of the game. Yeah, I mean, and uh, the um, the Battle Cry game is good. It's just sort of like in the same vein as like. Um, I want to say like Rogue Squadron, I guess. Yes, you know, definitely. It's pretty much like that, where you have sort of like a stage that you're flying around in, and it has some, you know, escort missions, which are just about the worst thing in any game, especially a flying game. Good lord! It has very bad escort missions. Oh. Um, there was another um, Macross game that was uh, released in Japan for the PlayStation um, that was supposed to come out in America, and there was actually uh, a demo. Um, it was released on one of the PlayStation uh, PSX demo discs, huh. and it, I think it was sort of a recreation of uh, almost like a simulator of a bunch of different missions from from past uh, Macross um, series. Yeah. Unfortunately, it was canceled, and we did not get it. Yeah. Um, the last Robotech game, real Robotech game that that was released in America, was Invasion um, for the Xbox and PS2, and that was uh, I think it was like a, a third person shooter. Yeah, I, the Cyclones. Yes, that one was. Um, I played that game. It was. It was not great. It was terrible. Yeah, it was a third person. You got to. I mean, the the Cyclone didn't drive particularly well, but when you, I believe, when you transformed, you were first person, um, and you sort of are fighting through the Invid Saga. But yeah, it wasn't great. It was compared to Battlecry. It was a big step down. 
it was you know you know just you're not you, when you're playing it, you're not going oh I'm playing Robotech. It just <laughs> it didn't feel like it at all. It felt like something else. Well, that's all. Uh, let's hope that we see a live action movie or a new game come down the pike sometime. I mean, like you say, maybe somebody. All it takes is somebody who really wants the license and who really wants to do something with it. You know, a la Disney buying Star Wars. Although some people could will say they're not doing great because they're canceling video games and yeah and, and Clone Wars, which I think Clone Wars was some of the best Star Wars in years. Yeah, I'm definitely bummed that that uh, thirteen thirteen has been oh, carried. That game looks so cool. But, you know, we don't know what's going to come down the pike from Disney and Star Wars yet. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. we're, we're hearing things like they're going to be standalone movies. It could be, you know, so maybe they're going to have their own rollout of video games and their own, you know, animation that they want to do. And they had to cut the old stuff out. That's the only thing I could think of. But if somebody like that, not somebody that big, but somebody that wants to really uh, use the license make some money with it i mean the the audience is there uh for sure definitely and i I think it's a good enough show um that it could easily be introduced to a new generation just like star wars it definitely holds up you know um, oh yeah my kids have watched um robotech there they love it you know i mean my kids are my oldest kid's about 15 the him and his 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 younger brother both watched it they they love it It, of course it, it holds up because it's 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 great for boys you got the um fighting it's it, uh, you know it's good for if the ladies want some of that romance that's in there too so exactly something for everybody there you go so yeah we were i told like i said we weren't going to do a a uh exhaustive in-depth look at robotech i just wanted to sort of cover it a little bit and i'll probably do it again uh maybe with the next another series or look at it another time but i just wanted to cover the uh the series in a general overview and maybe <laughs> talk about it and uh, it was nice of of you uh chuck to do this at the last minute with me i appreciate it no problem um, i didn't have a lot of prep time on this uh but it was it's sort of something i've had in the back of my mind that i want to talk about a little bit um and uh, i appreciate it uh let's see what's coming up um next week um april 21st Rico's going to be back he's going to be covering the tos episode plato's stepchildren i don't remember that one i gotta be honest with you uh, there's so many I was surprised when I bought the uh, TNG Blu-rays that there was TNG episodes I'd never seen, and certainly there's TOS ones I've never seen. I think that might be one of the ones I've never seen, so I might have to watch it ahead of time. But I'm a bad Star Trek. Doesn't ring a bell. Um, But yeah, considering in those days, you know, you watch pretty much every episode live on TV. uh, You know, there's there's bound to be, uh, you know, an episode that you might have missed. Yeah, but nowadays there's just no excuse to miss anything. No. <laughs> streaming is changing the world, changing the way that we watch uh, our shows, that's for sure. Yep. Okay, well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, like I said, I've also been battling a cold all week long and um, not feeling the greatest, but uh, wanted to get this done and out. So uh, I will see you next time. Uh, thanks, Chuck, a lot. Appreciate no it. No problem. All right, see you later.